Welcome back to this amazing new edition of the Balance Holy for Ambitious Women in Business and a Few Brave Men podcast. For those of you who have been following us for a while, for those of you who are brand new to the show, I want you to take a moment and appreciate that this is the Luminaries edition. This new edition of the show, which we're going to be doing these special features, and I'll tell you about in a second, is really for us to dedicate and highlight these outstanding women who inspire, influence, and ignite a better tomorrow with the courageous work they implement today. I'm your host, Nikita Rinthigpen, known as the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world, a sexologist and relationship expert blending the evidence-based psychology and modern coaching techniques to really help married women entrepreneurs and our few brave power couples amplify their intimacy without ever apologizing for all the beasting work they do in the world, nor dim their ambition. Today on the Balance Bully podcast, we want to make sure that we continue what we've always done, creating these safe spaces for incredible people to share their stories of creating work life and love while scaling their empires and creating ripples in the world. So that does not change. But what does change is we bring you the cream de la cream of the crop to the show and we illuminate all the work that they're doing. So I hope you stay and play with us over the next 20 minutes and really enjoy this next special feature. I have digitally stalked her very professionally. (laughs) I read her book from page to page. I think I've been standing on my head for the last few days, like (laughs) highlighting and going through and bookmarking and ear dogging pages because it is so incredible. So before I build your anticipation anymore, let me introduce you to the amazing Kenya Hunt. She is an American journalist in London, happens to also be fashion director of Grazia UK. Her career spans working for some of the most influential media platforms that you can imagine from being an assistant editor at Seminole Magazine, Jane, to her years at deputy editor at LUK. Are you familiar with any of these magazines, people? Her writings have appeared in The Guardian, The Evening Standard, Vogue, and so many other publications. We simply just do not have time to talk about it. In addition to all of this, And being a phenomenal woman who I absolutely love her sense of fashion for obvious reasons, right? She is living in London with her husband and two sons and still showing up fully with all of these spinning plates that she has to twirl around in the world. Miss Kenya Hunt, welcome to Balance Boldly Luminaries Edition. How are you today? I am well. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that incredible introduction. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so into your energy. I just love it. Literally, you've just like perked me right up on this gray, cold, freezing London day. (laughs) I'm glad that it's a beautiful day. I'm mad that it's freezing for you because it's not too horrible on the East Coast outside of Philadelphia right now. But hopefully that can warm you up in this conversation. If you could just bless us with a little bit of what you've been working on. And of course, hint, hint, tell the people more about Girl, 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 the title of your new book. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, I'm an American. I've been living in London for quite some time now. You know, I moved here just before the Obamas were inaugurated. My boyfriend at the time, we moved here thinking we'd be here a year, two years maximum. And now we're here married. You know, he's downstairs with our two boys. You might hear the little voices. They're quite loud and their voices carry. But yeah, and so I have a long history in women's and fashion media, um, publishing, writing articles for magazines and newspapers and 
And I felt compelled when I was on maternity leave with my second child to write a book. And I wanted to write a collection of essays really exploring my lived experience of black womanhood as an American living abroad in the UK against the backdrop of this rise in visibility of black women. I was watching us go from milestone to milestone, when to when, headline to headline, magazine cover to magazine cover, while at the same time encountering so many incredibly inspiring women through my work. Um, And also just, you know, engaging in all, you know, any number of group chats with my girlfriends and really understanding Uh sort of the nuances and complications of our life and the exhaustion that comes with doing the work that we do because, there's our jobs, but then there's the extra added layer of exhaustion that comes with navigating, you know, largely homogeneous spaces or navigating other people's expectations of us, which can oftentimes be quite narrow um, and mm-hmm. a number of things. But so essentially I wrote this book as a love letter to us. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a love letter to black women and it explores how we show up for one another, show up for ourselves, advocate for each other and ourselves in a, in a world that oftentimes does not. No, I appreciate that as a black woman and on so many levels. And as you're talking, you know, I'm trying really hard not to say, girl. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Reasons. I do for all of the reasons that you just mentioned and for you being courageous enough to talk about some of the things that you detail very graphically in this book and for your experience, both the American woman in you, as well as the the new, I don't know if you've adopted the UK yet, but you know, the adopted version of the UK version of you with raising your family there, there's a lot of significant differences, but there's also this shared experience um, that I, my takeaway from it was there's the shared experience of constantly feeling like you have to prove to people who are outside on the other side of yeah. however you identify, you know, as a woman, but also as a black or brown woman. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is this, this expectation, uh, you know, of us sometimes to sort of validate our experiences or, or prove it or explain ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, I would love to just see us just being, you know, like just be, I mean, we are excellent. We are black girl magic. We are all those things. That's who we are. We see each other. We see it. We recognize each other. We honor it. But in terms of everyone else outside of that, I mean, I don't see, um, you know, a lot of these talking points ascribed to white women, for instance, in the same way that they are to, to, to black women. And even now, you know, looking at the the huge wins and the accomplishments that Black women have had this year in particular, mm-hmm. seeing how the media can even cover it and spin it in a slightly different way from, you know, how they would if the, the, the woman sort of accomplishing what she's accomplishing were white. I mean, there are just so many different sort of layers and levels to um, discrimination, number one, but also yeah. just, uh, it just gets quite tedious and tiring. But that said, I wanted this book to really center joy. Like I wanted it to center us and and the joyful aspects of being who we are as well. So, I mean, I, I really just hope that women will read it and feel seen and recognized, um, but also just really reflect on the particularity of their own experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know I did. And I have a, a pretty layered background with everything that I've done and where I've come from. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that jumped out to me, besides your, your very um, catchy index, your content 
you know, content yeah. indicator of what you're about to walk into. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly where it is because I literally have like dog eared this whole book, but I think somewhere in the beginning you talk about when people give you a meh, like yeah. meh, you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make you eat that. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I can definitely relate to that being, you know, I'm five foot two and a quarter. Mm. I don't want to about the quarter. And I am a fair-skinned Black woman with very layered ethnic background and, and details. But I, walking down the street, people would just see me as a Black girl. And until I had babies, I had a very, very light voice. Like, my voice was really squeaky. So all of those things kind of, you know, stacked up against me, um, you know, for the way that people would perceive my brilliance, right? Like, yes. like oh, little girl, right? And and little girl in the, in the de- you know, derogatory way of using that word versus the empowering yes. way that you kind of break down the evolution of it. And it definitely made me beast up (laughs) in a really dramatic way that also left my family with a lot of scattered pieces that I had to clean up because I was so focused on proving and beasting and doing, and they weren't necessarily always the priority at that time, even though everything I did was for them. Right. Right. Yeah. I can absolutely relate. Yeah. You know, so I think we just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about the idea of um, black girl magic and black excellence in the, in the chapter of my book called bad bitches and how, <laughs> we, you know, there, and sometimes there's this perception of black girl magic being twinned with exceptionalism and excellence and that drive to be the headline makers. And there's mm-hmm. beauty in that. And there's uh, power in that. But also, I think, you know, there's real a real power in recognizing the Black excellence and the Black magic in the everyday. So if we mm-hmm. if you just wake up in the morning in a global pandemic and manage to get your kids dressed for school and get them off for the day, that is a moment of excellence. And that's that's worth really celebrating, too. Absolutely. A thousand percent celebrating that win of knowing that you did something that was not only good for you, because it is good for your mental health to get your kids off to school. Excellent for them. That was one of the things that I was um, thinking about, actually, is when I was reading your book and this book came, I think I was telling you pre-recording that it literally came on Wednesday. Um, so grateful for shipping, right? And <laughs> the day that it came, the previous Balance Bully episode was featuring Janet Cafadar, who's also in the UK. And Janet's whole, you know, element of everything she talked about was about celebrating your wins. And yeah. she is a mother of two that that had to scale her business after dark and she's doing phenomenal, but there was a lot of stuff that was coming up in her experience that you actually talk about in girl, girl, girl with the imposter syndrome and the burnout and all the things while you know that you are focused on the greater good, but in the process of that, the icky, icky, stucky that you're navigating through emotionally and also having to constantly battle people on the outside of your experience that are trying to make you feel like what you're working on, what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish is never going to happen. Like that professor who told you like, Oh, you might as well, what did you say? Be a teacher or was she be a teacher, you know? Yeah. I think there's, you know, one of the through lines in the the book, because I've been talking about it a lot and reflecting on it. And I think community it has been so deeply meaningful to me. And I think a lot of the black women in my life would agree in that, you know, all of those anecdotes you just outlined, you know, it's, it's quite exhausting and it can be quite demoralizing and fear inducing. It can make you second guess yourself. 
It can make you second guess your place in the world, um, where you fit in and what your contribution can and should be, or whether or not you have the right to even dream in a certain way. And so if it weren't for the community of women that I've had around me, I, I wouldn't be here. You know, so I mean, I'm fortunate to come from, you know, a family in which my parents really raised me with a lot of positive reinforcement. I'm so grateful to them. You know, I have an incredibly supportive husband, but there's something about the particularity of my experience that my parents have never experienced. And, and so their advice will take me to a certain point. My husband, you know, is a white American man of Irish and Sicilian dis descent, definitely mm -hmm. won't be able to relate to you know so his 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 encouragement and reinforcement will take me but so far but it's really been the network you know my chosen sisterhood of girlfriends who really understand this you know we have this unique set of shared experiences that really has been crucial to me being able to build a life here and so I think that is definitely a through line through all of these essays and um so that's also just why it was really important to me to be able to in, invite a, a handful of contributors to to author essays and tell their stories as well because I re it was really important for me to share that because I feel like it's my relationships with my girlfriends who are in my life who've really been you know key to me and I feel like it's key to this experience and this idea of black womanhood I can't speak for all of black womanhood I can only speak to my particular experience and, and that has certainly been the case with me yeah, and it is a layered one because it's cross-continental. Yeah. It's diasporic, <laughs> you know, right? yeah. Exactly, with yeah. everything that you've done. So here's a question that I know is going to come up um, because it just came up from, we were just talking about the Boundary Foundry that I did right before our interview. Yeah. And a lot of that was around, you know, shaking free from toxic relationships, including platonic friendships, mm. right? Same-sex platonic for friendships that can... And, you know, impede our love life, right? Like if yeah. you got that girlfriend that's constant negative energy, you hang up with her. Well, now all of a sudden you're looking at your husband sideways and, and yeah. he's like, what? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So one of the things that I would love for you to share with everyone listening, especially the the ambitious women that are following the Balanced Bully show that are challenged with, and we hear it all the time, like, you know, I don't trust other women. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't deal with girls. I don't deal with women. Men are easier to get along with, you know, all the stuff that sometimes we yeah. hear because of their own traumatic experiences, for lack of a better phrasing, yeah. um, that they went through. Was that any of that part of your experience that you had to shake free from? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, formative and early experiences, because I do think that has a big role to play when women feel that way about other women. I mean, I, I have a great relationship with my mother and did growing up and I have a sister and we're very close and I love my aunts and, you know, my grandmother. And I see, I think that really impacted the way that I perceived our friendships and how they can look and the purpose that they serve. And, um, you know, there was, I grew up in Virginia. I had my family around and there was a real sense of like, you know, the community really banding together that whole, it take a, takes a village to raise a child, you know, at my cousins around yeah. and all of that. But all of the relationships that I saw between the black women in my life were all so healthy and positive and largely supportive. I mean, mind you, things would flare up and you would gossip and there'd be a scandal or whatever. And, you know, they were the mm -hmm. ones that were, who are hypercritical, always telling you what you should be wearing, what you shouldn't be wearing, how the hair, you know, all of those sorts of things, you know, and it was never perfect, but by and large, you know, there was always a sense that 
women had each other's back in in terms of you know the the circumstances that I grew up in. So those the, that was the example that was set for me, and mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, growing up, I can you know I by nature I can be quite shy and a bit of a loner, but I've always appreciated having lots of girlfriends around me, like big big yeah. gangs of us yeah. uh, <laughs> at, at various points in my life. It's like when I feel happiest and most energized and so yeah I I can't say that personally I've ever felt like you can't like I can't trust women you know that I get along mm-hmm. better with men although I've heard that from a you know mm-hmm. from women on and off over the years if anything I feel I'm like much more of a girl's girl and I had more yeah. of a learning curve with men and even especially now as I'm a boy mom I've got two boys and and my husband there's a lot of big big toddler boy energy and big eight-year-old <laughs> boy energy so I feel like I'm on a constant learning curve with the opposite sex mm. um but yeah I lots mean, of testosterone <laughs> it's an awful lot an awful awful lot right now but um yeah so that said I I just really um yeah so I haven't really experienced that perf- personally but I have encountered it a fair amount no that's really fair something you hit on that's really powerful and I hope that everyone, male and female, that are listening to this right now caught it, is Kenya said, you know, I have a really good relationship with my mother and my sister and my grandmother. Because there is something called the mother wound. And for a lot of women, that that leaves a really deep, significant wound and a festering void. Mm. That then we attract in a lot of you know, good people with unhealthy intentions yes. in our lives, right? That suck and zap and vampire, whatever word you want to use for it, our energy. And it can create these experiences that we're actually co-creating with them, but it creates these kind of repeated destructive patterns. We're reliving some version of what we already experienced with our, that person that hurt us, that, that mother, that grandmother, that sister, that uh-huh. cousin, that auntie whoever it is. And the fact that you don't have that actually speaks more volumes about the significance of what it looks like when you haven't repaired that issue than what it does when you've never experienced it. So I've, I really honor you for saying that. And I hope everyone really heard the distinguishment there. Oh, thank you. And I, that's so fascinating to me because I've never heard that term before or heard, mm-hmm. or heard that idea verbalized and explained as you just did. So um, thank you for sharing that as well. I will receive that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Receive all your goodness. You're all um, so before we wrap up, because you know I could talk to you forever, clearly, um, I would love for you to just give the person who has not had the privilege of picking up this very well-written, detailed, experiential book, what is the one thing that they can look forward to uh, receiving once they do? I, I know that as a reader, I've always remembered the books that allowed me to feel seen the most. They really resonated with me because I think when you go in a bookshop in which the vast majority of books on the shelves are authored by white men um, or, you know, second to that white women, usually you have to, you, you know, you have to search and do a little bit of work to look for it. So I hope that, you know, people will read the book and, and feel seen and reflect on, on their own lives um, if they're black, you know, I, I, if the, for black women, I just would really like them to to read this and feel seen and honored and recognized. Um, and then for women who are not black, um, you know, I would like I hope that they come away from it with a, a heightened level of understanding um, and empathy 
Um, and actually, I think that for everyone, no matter what race or gender you are, I mean, I think, you know, 2020 has really made it clear that we could all use a little more empathy in general, collectively. And so I hope this will inspire people to consider that. Yeah, no, that is powerful. And of course, you see me, but the audience does. And I'm bobbing my head like literally a bobblehead right now because <laughs> I keep wanting to say, girl, girl, girl. <laughs> I love it. You are. I love it as well because you are amazing, an amazing journalist, an amazing creative writer. You expressed everything so clearly I could experience it as I walk through page by page with you. So I honor that. I'm excited by it. And now I just need you to tell people where they can pick this up. You can pick it up in most places where books are sold, you know, Amazon, obviously, and Target and everything. But what I'd really like to do is encourage people, if you're considering buying this book, go to your nearest Black-owned bookshop, or failing that, your nearest independently owned bookshop. You know, this year has been hard on everyone, business owners across the board, but particularly the smaller ones, and particularly, particularly the Black-owned ones. So um, yeah, if you feel inclined to buy the book, please do support a, a small business. Thank you. Oh, you're so amazing. As are you. This was a treat to do. Thank you for having um, me. I am I am honored. Truly, truly, truly. I mean, listen, normally I give a whole big to-do at the end of every podcast, like subscribe, rate, share, do all the things. Well, you guys know to do that already. What I need you to do more than any other direction I have ever given you is to do exactly what Kenya Hunt just asked of you, is whether you are buying this book for yourself or from someone in your circle who you know could be edified by it make sure that they are seen and heard and appreciated and validated and edified and desired by giving them something that speaks into their experience, which I can attest to is Girl, Girl, Girl by Miss Kenya Hunt. That is my call to action at the end of this episode. You are phenomenal and I Thank appreciate you. you. As are you. Thank you so much. Welcome. Balance Bowley listeners, you know I'll see you on the other side of the moon and in the interim live fully and you'll enjoy all the balance of your days. But remember, do it boldly.